we invite you to go with us as we share this fourth message in this series that is entitled The Harvest. Our text today is found in the 15th chapter of St. Luke, the 8th through the 10th verse. This is the second parable, although it's the fourth message. We shared the first parable. We shared the third parable. First parable, the lost sheep. Third parable was the prodigal son and the godly father. This is now the second parable, but we have saved this for the last parable in these three parables in Luke 15. Hear the reading of God's word. The eighth verse says this. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp? Sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. Verse number nine. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together. And says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. Verse number 10, listen to this. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner. <laughs> Look at somebody and say, one sinner who repents. In the church that loves God's word, said amen. amen. Here's the subject for this fourth message of the series. Look at someone that is standing next to you and simply say to them, loss in the house. That's what we want to talk about today, loss in the house. You may be seated. Is there anything more frustrating than having something you really want or need at the time? And you can't find it, but you know it's not far because it's lost <laughs> in the house. I don't know about you, but I'd rather have stuff lost in the community, in the yard, in the street. When it's lost in the house, you rack your brains and say, I've got to find it because it is somewhere in this house. May I preach this this morning? One of the greatest misconceptions of this modern day age is this, is the assumption that just because a person regularly attends church, that they have a relationship with God. That's an erroneous assumption to assume that just because someone is in church, they have a relationship with God. There are folk who are good church members but not kingdom members. I'm preaching now. And so just because someone sits next to you doesn't mean that they're in a right relationship with God. Amen. And too often, we, we wrongly associate church attendance with salvation. However, the truth of the matter is, many who regularly attend church actually have no understanding or a 
very limited understanding of what it really means to be in a right relationship with God, to really be saved. One of the things that I do regularly is that I read George Bonner, and I read a lot of trends and research. My wife will tell you all the time, I'm a big trend reader because I, I, I like to know what's happening as it evolves. A lot of times we, we don't know until after it has happened and it's over. And one of the trends that has been reported as of late is this, which is somewhat disturbing that there is a higher disconnect among young people who grew up in the church than those who had no early church affiliations but later gave their lives to the Lord. I found that amazing. In fact, I sent it around to some of the staff people. and I sent it to my brother and others and said, let's pray over this because this is so true. And here's what the article says. The article says, too often we assume someone's presence means they have the right relationship in God. Particularly if you are a church child, your parents went to church and made you go to church and came. And we, and, and we, we thought at times, well, if they're in church, that's all right. And God said, that really isn't enough. Because there are a whole lot of folk that have been in church and their minds were other places. Their hearts were other places. And, and they, they were in the pews, but they were not in the right position. Can I preach this the way God wants it? To receive God's word. And I said, God, I got it. And, and George Bonner, in his wonderful dissertation of the research, uh, says, uh, we've got to be aware that there is something more important than having presence in a building. We need folk to be in tune with the kingdom. In other words, unfortunately, there are those who are simply lost in the house. Lost in the house of the Lord. Not only that, but go with me. There are those, some of us have been there. Listen to this because this is a part of this message. Who unfortunately lose our way while we're in the church. There are those who become so discouraged while we go to church. While we clap our hands. While we sing our praises. We have allowed the enemy to make us uh, uh, so, so, so angry for some reason that God that we we can't uh, receive what God is doing because we have become lingering and we become lost even sitting in the house of the Lord many of you have loved ones family members and others that perhaps you find it very difficult to motivate them to come and here's what we do we we are content if they just show up we said, oh, you came to church? I'm happy. And what I realized is that's not enough. It's like showing up if you are a ball player to the arena but not playing. You, you get no credit for your presence. The only way you get your name in the box score is that you've got to get involved. 
And there's some folk all their lives have been filling spaces in houses of worship. And the enemy says, I know what I'm doing because the truth of the matter is you are the target of the enemy. Can I tell you the truth? The devil doesn't have to go after folk that are in his house. He, are, he doesn't have to worry about folk that are in the crack house or the other houses that they may be in. But he comes after us. May I preach this? Jesus understand this scenario and he said to Peter, the chief disciple, he said, Peter, Peter, Satan desires to have you and to sift you as wheat. In other words, Peter, uh, there's an anointing on your life. And because there's an anointing on your life, the devil won't ever leave you alone. Because he sees your future and he knows what God can do through you. Peter, there's a bullseye on your back. The devil desires to sift you as wheat. But then Jesus goes on to say to Peter, but I prayed for you. I prayed that your faith fail you not. In other words, I'm convinced that uh, sometimes we think that the harvest field is always outside the door. But I'm convinced sometimes we've got to pray for people that are in church more than we pray for the people that are outside the church. Because that's when you are bombarded. You better learn how to pray for your children. And to those of you that are anointing, Satan wants your offsprings. He wants the legacy to stop with you. He doesn't want your child to be saved. He doesn't want your child to have a relationship with God. And he will give up on you. Satan will. But he will work your family until they have no relationship. So we think because we are saved, everything else is going to fall together. And we think somehow our children are going to stumble on salvation. You better pray for them. You better, you, you better confront them. You better talk scriptures. You better anoint their rooms. You ought to lay scriptures on their bed. You ought to speak the word over their heads. When they go to catch the bus in the name of Jesus, you better plead the blood over everybody you love because Satan wants to destroy your offspring. But I stop by to tell you that God will never give up on you. And although you may not be where you want them to be, but don't give up yet because God is looking for them. Don't stop praying. The Lord is nigh. Don't stop praying. He'll hear your cry. The Lord has promised and his word is true. Don't stop praying. God will hear you. Anybody know that? Yes, he will. I just need to make sure I'm in the right church. Is there anybody in here praying for somebody associated with you that their faith fail not? Is there anybody in here want to touch and agree right now like Jesus did for Peter? The devil can't have you. He is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But we need to tell the devil it stops right here. You are a liar. My family would carry on the anointed legacy. I don't care about the church legacy. I want them to carry on a legacy of anointing so that when you come up against them, they will be able to plead the blood of Jesus 
for themselves. Don't you give up on anybody. Don't you give up on them. Don't you assume because you see them in church and they're not struggling with all kind of issues that are trying to separate them from the Lord. That's why we encourage people that are sitting among us. That's why you don't get so cute and uppity and so sedated that folk can't touch you and can't lean on you and can't speak to you and, and uh, don't get too close to me. Well, this is not a library. This is a worship center. And folk, if they got to rub up against you, that's all right. Maybe the anointing will rub off on them. But look at somebody and say, I pray for you. You pray for me. Watch God change things. Am I in the right place? Can you pray for somebody beside you? Before this service is over, when this is over, you, you get the names of somebody and say, you're going to be in my prayers this week. I, I'm going to call your name in prayer. I'm going to say, Lord, give them the desires of their heart. I'm going to rebuke the adversary out of your life. And we're going to touch and agree that no weapon formed against us. Shall prosper. Lost in the house. Look at the text. Look at the text. That's why I prayed this summer that God send people. Because I don't assume just because you come to church that you've got it. I, I preach just as hard as I can every service as if everybody in here needs a right now word. Including yours truly. From the Lord. In the text that we've chosen for this day. Let us examine the harvest from the perspective of Jesus. His search for those that are, as we have referred to them, lost in the house. Our text occurs in what is an iconic chapter in the Gospel of St. Luke. It is the 15th chapter of Luke. It is the chapter in which Jesus calls disciples. He sits and eats with sinners. But in this chapter, Jesus shares three powerful parables in response to the criticism from religious leaders concerning, listen to this, Jesus' public association with sinners and the so-called, quote, undesirables of their society, unquote. In other words, the religious leaders had a problem with Jesus because Jesus chose to associate himself with sinners. They had a problem that he was eating with Matthew, the tax collector. See, here's what critics can't see. Critics only see what they can see at the time, but they could not see the first gospel of the New Testament named after the former tax collector that Jesus chose to have dinner with. Ooh, see, folks see you as you are, but they don't see you when God gets through with you. Ooh, look at somebody and say, there's a blessing in you. There's a blessing in your child. There's a blessing in him and everybody. Jesus, in these three parables, the lost sheep, 
prodigal son and this parable, he conveys to these hypocritical, self-righteous religious leaders his perspective of the harvest. In other words, Jesus wanted them to know that everyone matters and everyone has value. In other words, not just the folk that you think are matriculated uh, through, through the institutions of theological advancement during that time or set at the feet of Gamaliel, but Jesus wanted them to know that there are people that I am dining with that you think are the scums of the earth, but to me they have value. Good God Almighty. Jesus saw the gospel of St. Matthew's. They saw Matthew, the tax collector. Somebody just caught it. Jesus saw the gospel as recorded by St. Matthew's. All they could see is Matthew, the tax collector. So Jesus takes his time to share with his critics these three profound parables. He tells them in these parables uh, that every individual is important to me. Parable number one was the lost sheep. You know the story. We preached it during our second message in this series. The Bible says that the shepherd left the other 99 together and searched for the lost sheep until he found it. When he found it, he put it on his shoulder and declared, come celebrate with me. For this is my sheep that was lost. The third parable was the son who lost his way in a strange land and a distant land. The sheep was lost in the wilderness. The son lost his way in a strange and a distant land. But then this second parable is somewhat different. In fact, it is totally different. It involves a woman and her collection of valuable coins. She had 10 valuable coins, and Jesus shares this parable, 10 silver valuable coins. We don't know where she got them from. It is, it is uh, sometimes summarized by some uh, biblical scholars that perhaps it was a wedding dowry, perhaps it was what her husband left her, who perhaps was dead and not there anymore, and this was all she had. Perhaps it represented her retirement. This was what I have to live on the rest of my life. But she had 10 valuable pieces of silver coin, but one was missing. I'm going somewhere. Look at somebody and say one, just one. But one was missing. She had nine others, but one was missing. And listen to this. It was missing somehow in the house. It was lost somehow in the house. And, and, and this, you could imagine how frustrating this was to this woman to, 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 to have something so close to you, but yet so far away. To know that it was right there in the vicinity but not knowing exactly where it was. One coin was missing, but it was missing in the house. 
when this woman realized that one coin was lost, the text says she decided to do everything that she could to find this one lost coin. Now, perhaps others would have said, well, you know, I'm not going to waste any more time. I have nine others. I've lost one, but I'm still pretty good off. I'm, I'm okay. I have nine others. But when every one of them matters to you, whew, I'm going somewhere. When, when, when none of them are irrelevant, when all of them have equal value to you, you would do whatever you can to find that one which was lost. So she did. Uh, the coin was lost, listen to this, in the comfort and the security of the home she owned. Now, it wasn't lost in the wilderness, but it was lost in a familiar, comfortable place. In other words, the coin was in a place that was familiar to the coin and to the owner. But help me preach this. Tell somebody it was still lost. Ah, don't you assume because you sit by somebody every Sunday uh, that they're still not struggling with issues and they're not on the verge of losing their way or they have no relationship with the Lord. Uh, it was lost among familiarity. It was lost in comfort. Uh, it wasn't lost in the wilderness. It wasn't lost in a distance in a strange land. It was lost in her house. Good God Almighty. Right there among all the things that have always been there. It was lost in the house. Uh, and so this woman did what God would do when God decides that our life matters and that we are valuable to him. Four things, four things that I want to share with you uh, that this woman did. Four things. Number one, and thank you upstairs for getting with me after 8 o'clock and, and, and working on this. Four things she did. Number one, look at somebody and say she lit a lamp providing light where there is darkness. Woo! Where there is darkness, where you don't know where you're going. Oftentimes, the first thing you've got to do is illuminate a place where there is darkness. Can I get a witness? Because it's hard to find your way in the dark. I'm preaching to somebody right now. God said the first thing I do when I'm trying to find you is that I've got to light a light. I have to let my word illuminate your pathway so that I can see where you are and you can see where somebody lift those hands and say, light a light, Lord. Come on, light a light, Lord. How many of you are so glad that the Lord lit a lamp, lit a light? Listen to the words of the old song that the church used to sing. They used to sing this song called Walk in the Light. Ah, I know some of you know this beautiful light. Come where the dewdrops of mercy shine bright. Shine all around us by day and by night. Jesus, 
the light of the world. I feel like preaching. Is there anybody in here glad that he lit a light in your dark corners and when you couldn't find your way and you were stumbling in the dark and running into stuff and bumping your knees and your toes and falling down that the Lord didn't give up on you but the Lord lit a light in the darkest place in your life and told the devil I'm looking for somebody somebody ought to be glad that he lit a lamp so here's what the woman did first thing she did was to light a lamp she lit a lamp she provided light where there is darkness because she knew that the coin was somewhere in the house Whew. but the enemy doesn't want you to walk in the light the enemy wants you to stumble in the dark because you can't find your way if you're stumbling in the dark. Aren't you glad to know that God illuminated some things in your life? There were some folk you thought were your friends until God had to light a light in your understanding and convince you that those that are with you are not for you. Come on, somebody. How many of you are glad that God allowed the light of understanding to show you some things in your life that perhaps you never would have seen? And if he didn't bring light into darkness, you would have still believed that your fake friends were your real friends. Preach, Pastor Jackson. So he lit a lamp. Now here's what happens when you light a lamp. When you light a light, you see stuff that you don't usually see. May I preach? I told the congregation this morning a story that my wife and I shared just this week. Just this week, I was in my closet looking for something. I was searching, and I decided to get a flashlight and look behind the door and underneath the cabinet in my closet. And I called my wife, Mother Bradley. I say, baby, you see all of these dirt balls and dust balls <laughs> behind the door and under a cabinet. I say, I thought you, I, I thought we had the house clean, but sometimes you don't see the dirt. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost, until the light. Some of you look all right until God shines the light in your life. And when God shines light in your life, people see stuff that you don't ordinarily see. That's why some folk love to walk in darkness, because you can hide your mess. Can I preach? May I preach? I'm telling you what my wife said. <laughs> so, I, so I went complaining. You know what she said to me? Then sweep it up. She said, don't just complain about the dirt. If you're going to find what you're looking for, you've got to eliminate the dust balls and the dirt so you can find your tie clip, which was only this big, but it was somewhere hiding among the dirt. Help me, Holy Ghost. How many of you are so glad that God didn't leave dirt hanging around your life? 
So the second thing she did, having cut on the light and exposed the dirt, is she swept the house. Woo. Now let me tell you, sweeping is not intended to be a massage for the floor. Sometimes it can be rough on the floor, but it achieves the purpose, which is to remove the dirt. She swept the house, removing all obstacles that prevented her from finding her missing coin. Some of us are in the sweep my house stage. Come on, Holy Ghost. I don't know how many of you are willing to just throw your hands up. Be careful what you ask for now. Don't do it if you don't really need it. Tell God, sweep my house. Get rid of my dirt. God said, all right. That person you love so much, gone. That, that car you love so much, gone. That job you think is so good, gone. Because sometimes in order for God to find what is missing, he's got to get rid of the obstacles that are in your life. Create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. Can I preach? Okay, somebody said, God's about to sweep your house. God's about to sweep your house. He, he's about to get rid of that dust, that dirt, Ah, because he's looking for something that can be hidden among the dirt. Ooh, I'm stuck right there for a moment. Oftentimes, our jewels are hidden among the dirt. Oftentimes, what you need, you can't get because it's somewhere hiding among the dirt. Anybody need God to create in you a clean heart? Come on, I just need you to take 10 seconds and jump to your feet. Just one moment and say, Lord, create in me. A clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. Can he sweep the house? Can he sweep the house? Sometimes he's got to sweep the church house, Chip. Sometimes God got to move some stuff that's been there a long time. And some of you are hiding, y'all sit down. Some of you are hiding on the church furniture. Y'all ain't gonna like me. Some of you are hiding out on the choir stand. And you think just because I sing, they think I'm all right. But I know my life is jacked up and I ain't trying to get it right. Well, be careful because God's got the broom out. Come on, somebody help me. Do Lawson, some things need to be swept away. And there's some folk who've been sitting on the first and second row. And God said, you really ain't been doing nothing. Don't even pay tight. Don't pray for anybody. Ain't got no anointing. But I'm about to sweep the house. And when I sweep the house, I'm going to sweep all the dirt out. Come on, y'all. See, now here's the problem, Minister Jeff. Here's the problem. Folk are looking for the preacher to sweep the house. Now, now, I don't own the house. Because if I try to sweep the house, I miss some things. In fact, I sweep over my favorite stuff. Truth of the matter is, when Luca told me to sweep, 
Jennifer, I had something that I liked in the corner, and I didn't really want to move it, so I gave it a pass. I swept over it, but when somebody who has no personal allegiance to it come through, and so everything got to go. I need to preach, look at somebody and say, everything got to go. A brand new choir, new deacons, new preachers, new ushers. When God gets ready to sweep the house, he'll sweep everybody out. Sit up there with your cute self and only sing when you can lead a song or, or, or when you can sing on the front row. Only do it when you're the head usher. God doesn't need you. God can raise up anybody he wants. God's got some folk in the street that he's about to bring in the house that got no agenda other than the kingdom's agenda. Throw your hands up and say, sweep the house, Lord. Sweep it, Lord. Sweep it. Ooh. Can I preach? Should I preach? Third thing. You can't really do this until you do the first two things. First thing was she lit a lamp. Second thing, she swept the house. Third thing, then she searched carefully, never giving up until she found the coin that was lost. Once God started sweeping, he doesn't put the broom down until the mission has been accomplished. You don't want to be between God and the broom. Amen. You, you don't want to be in the way of the next great move of God. If you don't believe it, read Isaiah chapter 6. One of my favorite chapters in all of Isaiah. God needed Isaiah, but there was a blockade in the way. There was somebody that prevented the anointing from Isaiah flowing. And his name was Uzziah. And he was Isaiah's mentor and cousin. And Isaiah looked at him like he was the Michael Jordan of that era. And Isaiah could not see God because of Uzziah. But God said, when I start sweeping the house and the Bible declared in, 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 in Isaiah 6, and the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. God had to move Isaiah out of the way so that he can use Isaiah. There's some folk in the way right now. And God said, don't you stand in the way of what I need to do for the kingdom. You better get along or get out. Because if you are in the way, I'm going to move you. And when I move you, it's not pleasant. She searched and searched and search and never giving up until she found it. And here's the fourth and the final one and we're done. Having found her lost coin, the last thing she did was she celebrated. Look at somebody and say she celebrated. Inviting neighbors and friends to celebrate with her. She never judged it. She did not rebuke it. She, she, she did not chastise it. But she celebrated it and said these words, and I quote, Rejoice with me. I have found, look at the next word, my lost coin. It's still mine. 
Although it was lost, you are still mine. How many of you know, although sometimes you lose your way, you still belong to the Lord? Ooh, somebody ought to help me celebrate. In fact, I'm done. Stand to your feet. and I'm so glad that God never gave up on me. I'm so glad that through it all, he kept calling my name. Ooh, I was lost, Deacon Nova, in the house. I grew up in the church, but yet there was a time in my life I had no relationship with God. I looked the part, but I had nothing beyond the surface. Ooh, but I'm so glad that the Lord didn't give up on me. I am so glad that he lit a lamp, swept the house. God then searched until he found me. And when he found me, he celebrated. He let the world know. He let the church know. He told everybody, this is my child. Y'all may look at him as the black sheep of Bishop Jackson's family, but he's my child. And there's some folk, quite honestly, Chip, God had to move out of the way just so my anointing could flow in God's house. But God did it. But God did it. How many of you are so glad that God would do what he has to do? Anybody that wants God to work on you, leave your seat without even thinking about it and flood this altar right now. Well, God told me to end this message right now. Because guess what? In the midst of whatever you're going through, God hasn't forgotten about you. People assume that you're all right, but God knows that you still need God's deliverance. Listen to the words of the song written by Bishop Hezekiah Walker. How many times do I go against your will? Then you forgive me, but yet I still turn around and do the things, things I shouldn't do. Any witnesses in here? How many times God forgives you you turn around and do it all over again? Because I belong to you and I know you will come through. Lord, I belong to you. Lord, I know that there are times that I take advantage of your grace here in this Christian race. But yet, whoo, I hear you calling my name. Ooh. How many times would it take for me to learn that is only in your will I'll ever earn. I'll ever earn my life's rewards. The honor due to me. Ooh. Lord, I know that I don't belong. What you caused and I've done wrong. But yet, Look at somebody and say, but yet I hear him calling my name. Come on, choir, Sister Marshall Jackson, and our choir. Ooh, bless us. Ooh, listen. 